I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have with us Ricardo Victoria, who is the author of the Tempest Blades series. And we are very excited to have Ricardo with us because he is our first author from Mexico. Cool. Welcome to the show, Ricardo. Hi. Thank you for having me. Did you grow up in Mexico? Yes. Born and bred. Born and raised. And is um is Spanish your first language or is English your first language? No, it's Spanish. Okay. And but you write in English? Yes. Interesting. Why did you choose to write in English instead of Spanish? Uh, well, there are a few reasons. One, uh, the market is bigger in English. That's mm-hmm. Two, publishing in Spanish is a nightmare. Even It's really? even worse. Yeah, because most of the publishing uh, industry in Spanish rarely buy books from native speakers. They usually buy translations. Especially really? when it comes with science fiction and fantasy. There are a few contests for Spanish-speaking authors, but the terms of the contests are so draconian that I don't, personally, I don't think it's worth, uh, I mean, you're basically conceding all the rights of your story forever. So it's like, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I decided to, to go with English and also, uh, when I write, I tend to write faster or I tend to think a lot of English in English because mm. I got used to when I was doing my postgrad. So, and I have a lot of friends that only speak English. So I, I'm all the time practicing it and it got easier with the time. So where did you do your postgrad that you were doing it primarily in English? In England. Oh, okay. It's an university called Lockborough. In the East Midlands. What took you to England for school? Uh, because I have always wanted to live abroad for a while, and I uh, was lucky to get a scholarship to get my, uh, to study the postgrad. So, uh, and I was lucky to get accepted straight to the PhD rather than having to go first through a master's and then. Nice. So I, I don't know how I pull it. It's, <laughs> to this day, I'm still wondering how the hell I did it, but uh, just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Two years and a half, I was living there. I got to know a lot of cool people, really good friends, learn a lot, and I got used to uh, the uh, to the way of life in in England. So yeah, it, it was a fun and interesting experience. Helped me a lot to grow up, to go from uni and living with your parents to really living on your own and taking care of yourself. So, so did living in the, the two very different cultures reflect in your series? Yeah, kind of. Uh, there is one character that is from one culture, but is mostly living in another one. So he's, uh, he, by the time of the, the story takes place, he has adapted more, more or less to the new culture where he has been living for the past 10 years. But there are some times that he gets something mixed or or thanks to speaking his native language when he's angry or scared. That makes sense. Everybody I know who speaks multiple languages reverts to their like their home language when they get really excited or really upset. Or sleepy. Or, sleepy. or drunk. Or sleepy. 
Yes. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your series. Uh, well, uh, I will say the series for starters is uh, kind of in the vein of Cup Punk. You know, this kind uh, this new trend. What was it? Sorry? Cup Punk, like a steampunk, but with hope instead of steam, which is kind of lit. Which is the opposite to Green Dark. Oh, okay. So oh, I, I, interesting. I had not heard of that. I didn't coin the term. Me uh, the, the term was coined al- uh, already. So the story started with this uh, retired uh, soldier or warrior, uh, Fionn, which he has certain skills and powers that not, not everyone has. But he, he has been retired because he's suffering from PSTD. And... When a friend asked him to solve a disappearing case, so someone disappeared and done, and under really, really strange circumstances, he found himself back into the game of basically being a hero, trying to save the world, trying to train a new generation of heroes that had similar abilities to his, and trying to uh, get some closure with his own past and uh, his own regrets. And that's more or less the plot of the first book. And the second book, I'm trying to rotate the the main point of view. I have a large cast, uh, so I'm trying to rotate the main point of view with each uh, book. So in the next book, uh, one of the uh, students, which is called Alex, which is the one that is is from one country living in another one, is going through a really, really severe depression. Most of the book is, tra- is talking about dealing with, living and dealing with depression. In part, because of what happened in the first book, because I mean, you cannot save the world or be a hero without consequences. Right. Because personal consequences and consequences are large. So while he's struggling with uh, his depression, the world is reacting to the fact that this Legendary hero came back from retirement and saved the world from a monster that everybody thought it was a hero also. It threw the whole world into a a political chaos and they're trying to reach an agreement through something called the Chirbali Games, which is like the Olympics, where you put the best fighters of each uh, region uh, in combat and... The representatives of those countries can uh, wage bets on those fights to solve international disputes. So instead of going to a war, they basically put their best fighters and have a trade by combat. Non-lethal trade by combat. You can get expelled if you kill your opponent. I like that. So how much world building did you have to do for this? A lot. Okay. <laughs> that's a short answer. No, really, uh, I have been thinking in this world, build, in this world in particular, since I was in high school. So, I have notes, open notes, and notes. Oh wow! Obviously, I took a break when I was doing my PhD because uh, writing a thesis is not easy task. Yeah. So I had to put everything in pass. So until I get married, my wife uh, pushed me to the. You know, you need to finish your story because you are getting obsessed with with that and. I started to write. <laughs> so yeah, she she was the one pushing me to do it. Well, good for her. <laughs> it's nice to have a supportive partner. Yeah, she's really, really supportive. She doesn't enjoy that I tend to write really late in the night. But since she's also a night owl, because she's a freelance graphic designer, sometimes we uh, work at the same time. And yeah, it's 
I, I admit that she has a lot of patience. <laughs> so how many more books do you think will be in the series? Because it sounds like there's still a lot to go. It's planned for two um, two more, so to- four to- in total. I'm currently writing the third one, which is is going to be split into like in two parallel stories, one with a different point of view, and then the final one that is, that is going to close this particular arc. Uh, I will the world to be able to have stories before or after this main arc. But for this one in particular, it's going to be for books because it comes to a point when you want to write other things, but you also have a commitment with your publisher, in the, with my publisher in this case, and also have a day job that's very time consuming. So I, I cannot uh, write everything I want to do at the same time. I have to organize my uh, schedule tightly so I don't burn out. So how do you fit writing in? Do you just do it in the evenings or do you have a set time frame you try and get some in? Uh, I usually write when I come back from work after dinner, doing the dishes, uh, <laughs> like around midnight. I try to write a little bit in mid- around midnight and then I uh, wake up early in the morning before I go to work. I write a little bit more. And then during the commute to work, uh, I keep thinking of uh, of the scenes and the dialogues. Sometimes I write notes in my phone, so I send them back to me through the email. And I mostly think about dialogues and the scenes and then work the, build the story around them. So the dialogue is very important to you? Yeah. So I think that's the best way to convey the personality of the characters. Mm-hmm. I also start with dialogue when I'm almost every scene. It'll just be like like a play. It's just, here's everything the character said, and then I build around that. Here's what's going on around them while they talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do you plot all this out? Do you already know everything that's going to happen? Or do you just kind of have, you know what the world is like, you know what your character's like, and you just wait, you just pants it? Uh, as you go? For the first two books, I basically write, uh, it was a pantser. I just wrote, <laughs> I have a very basic outline of half a page. But for the current, the next two, the one I'm writing now and the final one, yes, I do have a, now a plot and a break by chapter because I, since I need to close a lot, uh, to tie a lot of loose ends, I need to keep track of my own continuity. So yeah, uh, my publisher told me you need to have a, a plan now because your continuity, your world building is so big that you are going to get lost. And I have a friend, my better, who is my better reader, who usually keeps track of my continuity and send me notes about, uh, your, this is contradicting this bit. And yeah, I have a basic outline and a break by chapter, but the actual scenes and dialogues, they come as I start to write. So it's some, a weird mix between being a plotter and a pantser. Well, it's, it's good that you have someone that reads it through for you so they can catch things that you don't. Yeah, it takes a village to to, to write a book. <laughs> At least. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I need a village to help me write. <laughs> Mostly to keep you accountable. I need, Yeah, I need a village to, like, cook me meals and, like, bring me drinks and snacks while I'm writing, right? Yes. Like, that would be helpful. <laughs> Clean my house while I'm writing. Or deny me these things helpful. if I'm not writing. No dinner for you unless you're writing. Yeah. Okay, I'll write. <laughs> that's not a village. That's a jail. Yeah, 
So you're published by Inklings Press. Yes and no. My novels, uh, The Tempest Blade Series, is published by Artemisia Publishing. Oh, okay. That have an imprint called uh, Shadow, Dra uh, Shadow Dragon Press, which is the imprint that publishes uh, fantasy and science fiction. Inklings Press is the publishing house slash uh, writing group I co-founded with uh, three other friends I met in UK. Like every other story starts with people getting drunk. <laughs> so it, was, it was 2015, and I sent a horror story to my first submission ever. I sent it to a magazine, got rejected, and I was complaining with them in the chat. <laughs> and we were a little bit drunk, I guess, because uh, I said, to hell with it. Kind of like Bender in Futurama. <laughs> I'm going to do my own publishing house with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> Except that there was no blackjack nor hookers, but uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much the gist. And we started uh, with a small anthology, five authors, three of us, and a few guests. And then by the third uh, anthology, we opened uh, the co uh, submission call to everyone, and we started to meet a lot of interesting people. And it became like, as I say, a writing group slash publishing house. Uh, which is focused more only in in anthologies, in short story anthologies, thematic, science fiction, horror, fantasy, uh, pirates, um, tales from the underground, uh, alternate history. Alternate history actually has been the most uh, frequent topic in our anthologies because... One of them got award, uh, nominated for a Sidewise Award back then in the day. That's awesome. And two stories got nominated and one won. So the other three, uh, myself and the other three members of, uh, of we are trying to get our uh, own projects going on. So I have my two novels. I have an, uh, another friend, Rob, has another two novels. His are more like uh, superhero science fiction. So he's also published by Artemisia. Mm -hmm. Then we have a friend, Harris, who is mainly focused on alternate history and science fiction, and he's self-published. And then we have uh, Leon McBride, our uh, fearless editor-in-chief, who is mostly focused on writing uh, biographies and trying to get his novel, his fantasy novel on track. But so we made a pause so we can focus on our individual projects and then we are going to go back to retake uh, Inglings. The problem with everybody having a day job and not enough funds is that you have to prioritize where you put your efforts. Yes. <laughs> There's only so much time. Yeah. It, it has been a uh, nice experience because it taught us a lot of what is to work behind the scenes in the publishing industry from editing to cover design, which is mostly what I did. Mm -hmm. And you're a designer, right? Like in real life? Yeah, I studied industrial design. Currently I'm teaching industrial design. So I know, just know the basics. So luckily I have the help of my wife. That is the one that told me, not, no, that cover sucks. You need to start again and do this, <laughs> this and that. So she has been teaching me all the stuff I didn't know about. She's the one teaching me how to do things. Oh, that's awesome! So, did they work? Did you two work on the covers of your books, or did you hire that out? We hired out the the illustrator, the artist. 
is he's called Salvador Velázquez. He's a friend from here, also from Mexico. So most of the production of my novels is Mexican people. In, we have to support each other. Yes. My publisher, Artemisia, was very kind to tell me that oh, you can choose the artist for the cover. They like Salvador's art. It's, a, it's more in the comic book uh, side of things rather than the more painting-like. But that I think that gives a right, the right feeling for the books because they are all they are having described like anime action packet stories. <laughs> so Salvador does uh, the art front and back, single image, and then myself and my wife uh, because I'm a control freak. <laughs> de- uh, made a deal with my publisher about I'm going to do the setup for the cover my because I have a clear idea of what I want. Mm-hmm. The advantage of working with a small publisher is that they're a little bit more flexible with those things. So you you did get to work on your covers a little bit then. They were they were pretty much your concept. Yeah, I just give the I'm like the art director. I give the orders and the others execute because if I try to do it all on my own, I know they are not going to be as good as they could be. And as much as I, as I'm a control freak, I'm also honest about my skill level. Um, so if people want to keep track of what you and or the Inklings are doing, um, where can they find you on the internet? I I waste most of my time. <laughs> <laughs> I waste most of my time on Twitter. So you can find me as winged, low dash, Leo, L-E-O. Uh, I also have a website and blog that I need to, I really, really need to play. Is Ricardo Victoria U.com. You because uh, I have two last names, Victoria Uribe. Ah. So, yeah, most people in, in, in Spanish speaking uh, countries have two last names. I actually wondered really? about that when I saw that it was just Ricardo Victoria. I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's really his name or if there's more. <laughs> no, I, the full name is, will be Ricardo Victoria Uribe. So I, uh, for legal paper, papers in English, I have to write it like Victoria-Uribe So because Victoria is also a first name. So, right, right. You know, it gets confusing. I use only Ricardo Victoria for my writing in about uh, fantasy, science fiction, horror, and use my full name for the academic writing I have to do for work. So I, because I like to keep things a little bit separated, my day job from my writing job. Well, it has been really awesome to meet an author from another country who's writing in English. We really appreciate that because that means that I can read your book. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, everyone go follow winged underscore Leo on Twitter so you can keep track of what Ricardo's up to. And be sure to thank his wife for pushing him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's going to take that. <laughs>